Hey everyone, welcome to the Brand Power Podcast. Today I have on Mike. Mike, I had the pleasure of uh, being on Mike's podcast uh, a few weeks ago. We had a lot of interesting topics, and so I'm kind of excited today to have him on here again um, to kind of go through this stuff because we could chat about this stuff all day, it seems like. And so uh, I like uh, for you, Mike, to kind of introduce yourself, and we will kind of go off of uh, uh, our last conversation, just keep it rolling from there. Yeah, cool. So my name is Mike Vera. I'm a board certified health coach. I'm the founder of a business called Red Pill Health and Wellness. I'm the host of Healthy and Awake podcast. And my mission is just to make the world a healthier, more awake place. And I do that by exposing influence and propaganda techniques, which maybe seems like it's not connected to health, but I make the case that it is. And that's my brand. That's my business. That's the you know, my my business is really an extension of my own personality. So I really uh, believe in what I'm doing and I'm never going to stop. <laughs> I love that. You already have a mission. You already have your vision for where you're taking this thing. And it probably is what helps get you up in the morning, which is beautiful. I want to I want to hear a little bit more about your tagline and what you kind of brought up, the healthy and awake approach. Can you kind of emphasize that a little bit? Yeah. So there's a lot to that, I guess. So, you know, healthy, I think is obvious, but it's awake that really sticks out and, and people sometimes wonder about. And I do mean, a f there's some layers to that. So awake is kind of self-awareness. Many of us are on autopilot. I mean, we, we have those mechanisms. We all have some degree of autopilot that we're all engaging in. Uh, but I think in today's society, sometimes we rely on that maybe a little too much. And so that's one aspect is like waking up to really our full consciousness. Uh, but the other thing is what I mentioned earlier, and that's influence and propaganda, because many people are not awake to this at all. Um, and a perfect example of this is like you, you go into Target, I want to buy just two things. And then you walk out and you buy 10 things. Well, you were influenced. You were not awake to the influence that was being thrown in your direction. And so healthy and awake is my way of standing out in a crowded market where there's plenty of healthy wake or, or healthy people out there talking about push-ups and salads and all these, you know, manage your stress and meditate. And, and that's all well and good, but it's kind of, it gets boring, right? And it's kind of saturated. So I've actually found a lot of success standing out in this way, saying, hey, it's more than just healthy. It's about being awake too. Nice. I I love that because I think awake, you're right. I think that it, it could be multiple different, multiple different avenues, correct? Uh, I think, you know, something that touched on from our last podcast was, uh, was we talked about um, being awake in the premise of, growing your own business because I, I have a 10, I've seen a tendency for business owners in, in every industry kind of get to a point where they kind of, they kind of just follow the motions of what they think they're supposed to do. And the next thing they know, they're running this business off of transactional type uh, things saying, Oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. And they're not really awake, right? They haven't hit that aha moment in their head. They're like, what does success really look like for me? Um, and I think from the consumer side of buying products, it's obvious. I just had a, I just had a, a 
someone reach out to me through my my Instagram account and say, hey, you know, I'm a professional trainer. I was a gym. I worked at a gym and I'm looking to, you know, um, start my own thing. And he's like, I see all these online things on how I can make $10,000 a month. And they're all saying the same things. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, how do we get you to understand that, you know, you can do this without those programs. <laughs> you know, you don't need to pay. You don't need to look at that number and think that, you know, oh, this is what's going to help me get there. It could help. Uh, but that guru type mentality of, hey, they're just trying to persuade you into looking at an outcome that really at the end of the day that you may not need them for to get to where you want to go. Yeah. And sometimes listening to those types of people, it it creates obstacles for ourselves because let's say I want to build a business and I do want to be successful. I want to have a positive impact on the world. But this guy online told me that I have to do this his way and, and I have to make $10,000 a month or else it's not even worth it. And then I feel like a failure and I don't even want to keep going because I'm making $100 a month and it feels like $10,000 a month is so far away. And really, you know, it's a type of creating a false reality because when you look at all the businesses out there, like the millions of businesses, they all had a different path. They all started from somewhere different. And for the longest time, I struggled and it took me a while to get my message out there. I had a differently named business that the brand was awful. It wasn't very clear what I was trying to put out there. And, you know, if I had just listened to every guru that had popped up into my Facebook feed with their sponsored ads, you know, I would have wasted a lot of money, a lot of time seeking and, and chasing goals that were their goals, not my own. So I think that's why it's important to have an understanding of our priorities and values so that we're not steered the wrong way when some shiny object appears in front of us. We can say, hey, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but this is what I stand for. I have my integrity and I'm going to keep moving forward in this way, no matter what the challenges I face are. And even if I'm not making that $10,000 a month, I know eventually I'll get to where I want to be or maybe where I need to be. And uh, I'm just going to keep moving forward. You said something there that really intrigued me. And I actually, I actually wrote it down here. It said, you're seeking their goals, not your own. And I think that that's very powerful because I think that it brings this message of, and it, it, it's actually harder than it seems, but you brought back, you, you brought in values. We, we talk a lot about values. We talk a lot about building your personal values. Me personally, I'm very in, if I'm going to build a brand for someone, I, I integrate personal development into the team, into the atmosphere of building these brands. Because like you said, I believe that the business is only as strong as the leader and the leadership type roles in place to build that confidence, connection, and contribution. But going back to this, seeking these goals that are not your own, just do what you feel is is right. At the end of the day, if if your value is, if your value is integrity and that's one of ours it's integrity i'm honest with everything i do if a salesperson comes in for to us per per se and they don't align with 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 my values let's just say they try to sell me after 10 seconds that is them tr me trying to reach their goal not mine like you said i will be like 
you know, I know in my heart that if I was to contact someone, I'd want the respect of them telling me no or telling me this. And so I will tell them no, because I know from an honesty standpoint, I'd rather them not waste their time with me so they can move on. So um, do you have any aspects of, of your own of your own values that you that you utilize on a daily basis through your brand that uh, you can see that have made an impact in how you have, we'll just say, become awake? Oh, a hundred percent. And this is actually one of the things that I help the people that I work with, uh, as well. So, you know, I, I mentioned propaganda is something that I talk about a lot and we can get into that maybe later if you'd like, but one of the tactics around propaganda is indoctrination. And I know some that might have a seemingly negative connotation to it, but I mean it very neutrally. So indoctrination, basically this idea of instilling a type of doctrine, or in this case, values, right? So doctors, when they do their Hippocratic Oath, they, they're basically indoctrinated. They have to recite this, and this is part of the doctrine they have to follow. So indoctrination can be used for good. And every morning when I wake up, I indoctrinate myself with a pledge to my own values. Uh, it's something that I created. Uh, I put time into it. It's changed and adapted over time. But it serves as a constant reminder, a constant compass of which way I should orient my behavior. And that's one of my favorite things to help people with because I love hearing the different values that people have, um, everything from truth and integrity and compassion, uh, all the way to uh, things like, hey, I, you know, fixing my car is very valuable to me. So everybody has different values. And by having a process to make sure we don't forget our values, as in an indoctrination process, it really, it's constantly programming ourselves. So we never really get lost. We always have that, that the direction that we're heading in. There's a, if we're in a dark room, right? Let's say there's somebody out there with no purpose and they don't understand their values. You could say that person's in a dark room, but if you have somebody, they have maybe even just an idea of the values that they want to have and the values that they stand for, that dark room suddenly has the light in it a light that gives you direction. I can keep moving and I can keep moving towards that light. And even if it takes me a year, five years, 10 years, the the more I keep moving towards that light, the bigger the, that light is going to be, the, the closer you get to the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's kind of my way of explaining the, the process that many of us go through as we get older. Because maybe there's some young people out there listening to this podcast. They, they have like, what? My values, like my purpose in life. I have no idea. I'm just a kid out here. Um, and, and I understand that struggle and, you know, just try to find something that has some meaning to you and, and really hold on to that. Remind yourself every day of what it is you stand for. Just keep moving towards that. And I think the gurus won't matter as much, right? All those, the shiny objects, the low hanging fruits, those things that are constantly put in front of your face, uh, won't be as distra distracting in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. It's funny from a, from a certain perspective, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of, uh, pushing people to understand that value is where value is perceived, you know, yeah. because, because it seems like, yeah, there's a lot of people out there. I, I just got one from someone the other day, uh, in my LinkedIn inbox, which makes me cringe constantly when this, when this happens, it's, 
Hey, they connect with me. And sometimes I'll purposely dabble. I'll purposely dabble with accepting it, knowing the outcome of what's going to happen. I just want to see it to make sure that I'm, I'm on the right track with it. And he's like, I'll get you, you know, 40 appointments a month, um, guaranteed with, with no money up front, no cost. And, uh, we'll get you the leads. And it seems too good to be true, right? That's what would be considered in your mind. Uh, oh, this is great. But when you look at it from the outside, well, let me finish the story because I thought it was pretty funny. Um, he writes, I have a question for you. And I never responded because it was late at night, you know, and I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. He's not really going to ask me a question. He's going to ask, do I want this many people for this time or whatever? And so I asked him and that's what he said. Uh, I was pretty, it was pretty spot on with that. But uh, it, it was interesting to me because you look at the target market and you look at the brand companies that are bigger that have the values on wanting less risk and they want to provide the best values for their customers aren't necessarily going to take a risk on something that's that's free it's the wrong target market and so it's interesting to me and it goes to a lot of performance based companies nothing against performance but it seems like their market is separated from the offer that they're trying to provide for the end user. And I've always seen that every time I go, this doesn't make any sense to me. This is what you said. This would be considered a propaganda statement for me. It's like, everyone thinks let's do performance. Let's do performance. And it's like, well, doing something for free, you're going to hit the people that are just starting out. But the people that are just starting out don't have the infrastructure to take on that much business right now. So your target market is off. It, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, but uh, I just thought I'd rant about that because that just recently happened in my head. And I know you wanted to bring up pop, pro, propaganda a little bit um, as an example there. But it goes back to your values. I mean, I like to connect with people, like you said. So I'm not going to hire someone that I don't feel even match my values. So can you uh, explain a little bit on how you have taken your values with, with your brand or with your clients and how you have integrated that evolutionary process into yourself and into your clients' lives? You know, I, I think the thing about my brand is it's entirely values. I mean, even the name healthy and awake, I I'm putting two of my values right out there front and center. And that's one thing that has made it, you know, easy to recognize what I stand for. And when somebody comes across my work, either they get it and they, they like what I do and, and they follow me, they listen to the show, or uh, maybe they don't get it. And in some instances, they they don't like it without really know, knowing much about it. You know, healthy and awake for some reason. Some people are like, oh, this is controversial and they they shy away. Well, you know, there's always going to be some people like that, I think, for any business or brand. And uh, if anything, that tells me that I'm doing something right because I don't want to appeal to everybody. Right. That that means that I'm if I'm trying to appeal to everybody, ultimately, I'm going to appeal to nobody. Um, so I'm very fortunate that by positioning my values, so front and center, the way that I have, uh, I've built a community of people who shared those same values. And so when it comes to the people I work with, it does make things a little bit easier, uh, because we do have that in common, right? Either they are, Hey, I'm healthy and awake or, Hey, I get it. And I want to be more healthy and more awake. And, and how can we do that? Um, but I do want to be clear because uh, in, in my previous answer to your question, I'm saying, you know, by having these values, it's uh, 
it's easier to not get distracted by all these people trying to grab your attention and sell you something and all these gurus. You know, at the same time, there are people out there who are worth listening to. So I don't want to seem like I'm just trashing everybody. I mean, yeah. yourself, you you have a great business that um, you're putting something out there and and you do great work and and the people that you work with are pleased by the results. And same here, right? Like I have people, I have to advertise myself. I have to market myself and put myself out there. And, um, you know, I take a lot of pride in the work that I do. I take it very seriously. So I do have compassion for those people who maybe feel a little lost, who maybe whether mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know my values or I don't know what the next step is for my business or those sorts of things. Uh, I do have compassion for those people because it can be tough. And unfortunately, sometimes the answer is getting burnt once or twice before you're like, oh man, like I should not have invested in that video course for $3,000 that didn't tell me anything at all that I needed to know, right? That happens all the time. Uh, but there are definitely good people out here uh, doing good work. So I did want to just make that clear. Well, and, and you're a hundred percent accurate. Uh, you know, we all have trials and tribulations. I could, I could list, you know, all the failures I've taken over the last few years. And, and some of them, some of them have come down to, well, this is a necessary means, but then it, it when it, what, a, one of our, one of our values is grit and perseverance. You know, I'm always a, Hey, grit is about working smarter, not harder. Um, and so, I'm always for, hey, I will try something and I will give it a certain amount of time. And if it's not working, I'm sorry, it, it's not working, you know, to try to help cut myself off from spending countless amounts of time with it. But back to what you were saying with the failures, you know, there are some times when I have to look at certain things that I have tried or I'm trying and like, you know, I where I'm like, this is what, you know, I've been there. Everyone says I need to do this, you know, like, oh, this is, this is what I need to do to grow. Right. And, uh, it takes, sometimes it's taken two, three, four, half a year, or even a year to realize, you know, I told myself this wasn't one of something that I valued. Like I, I knew that this wasn't going to be something that like does something. And why do you think it's not working? It's because I don't value it. It's not bringing in the right people because, even the marketing directions and the channels you do are going to evolve that. So I would back to your point. I get it. I think everyone like yourself, we've all been there and we've all done it. And sometimes you need some of those trials <laughs> to get yeah. to where you need to go, you know, to understand, oh, maybe I just need to do this because this is more what I value. Oh, you're going to fail at, like at something, right? Nobody's going to just make a perfect move every time. And I, you know, I've heard people say it's very cliche, like, oh, I love failure because like, you know, I don't love failure. If I'm failing, I'm not very happy about it. I, I, do, I do hate it. <laughs> yeah. But I do love that I had the opportunity to learn and that I'm not going to make that same stupid mistake again. Right. So I don't love the actual failure while I'm in it, but I do love that I get it out of the way because right. I, I've, I have my business. I had the one that already failed. I've had all kinds of failures. That just means that I've learned from those mistakes and that I'm closer to uh, you know, not failing at certain things. Because all those mistakes, because I've learned from them, that just makes me better in, in certain areas as long as I, you know, correct those mistakes. And when you compare that to somebody who's maybe afraid to even start because they don't want to fail, they don't want to make mistakes, that I mean those mistakes alone put me so much further ahead of those afraid people, right? So the mistakes, unfortunately, it's something we have to embrace. Uh, it just comes along with life. But, uh, you know, if anything, it, it 
toughens you up a bit. It does. It does. And so let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, and, uh, that the psychological, psychological counterpart of influence, um, because we kind of brought it up there a little bit, um, when we talked about some of those gurus, um, and some of those, you know, those people that come in that, you know, are trying things, how would you, how do you feel branding in itself can really mislead and or empower uh consumers in their health choices so i mean yeah like you said it could go in either direction right branding is it's a signal like from a consumer perspective when you're looking at a brand it's a signal so the idea is that i come across this brand and without having all of the information I have a pretty quick idea of what this brand stands for. Um, that uh, That's what a good brand accomplishes. Uh, I should understand on some level what your, you know, let's call it personality, what your personality is like. Um, now, if I really like your personality, if I really like your brand, I might have an immediate trust for you without really knowing the actual facts, what you do for real, whether your mission is something that is just a public statement because it sounds nice or whether you actually believe that and follow through, right? So a brand can definitely mislead people. And, and you know, a perfect example of that is many of these uh, major pharmaceutical companies where people are like, hey, they, they're helping people with their health. They're putting out medicines. This is a good company. Um, I'm just going to trust them at face value. When in reality, if you look at the history of some of these pharmaceutical companies, you might find that they've done some evil, reprehensible things that have gotten them criminal penalties that they've had to pay billions of dollars for and hurt many people deliberately selling uh, contaminated medications. Uh, and, you know, just because that sounds conspiratorial, I'll be specific. Uh, you know, Bayer was known to sell HIV contaminated medications uh, to other countries. So, um, you know, people can definitely get misled when it comes to brands. But at the same time, uh, you might have a brand that is putting out signals that cause trust and it's actually worthy of their trust, right? You have plenty of good charities and organizations that have their own brand or legitimate good companies that do great work, have their brand that can build trust. So I do think branding, like when somebody finds themselves trusting a brand, I preach skepticism. I think it's being worthy. If you find that you trust like somebody, whether it's a person or a brand, if you find yourself immediately and unquestionably trusting them, be cautious. You know, maybe they're worthy of that trust, but maybe not, right? That's why we have to critically think and and really do our due diligence and our research and figure out, hey, before I make this investment, does this person actually or this company actually deserve my trust? It's funny you say that because uh, I was at a uh, I was at an expo in L.A. last week, um, a couple weeks ago, um, doing a speaking gig on very similar topics that we're talking about now. And I was talking to uh, uh, someone and he asked me what my superpower was, what my superpower was. And funny enough, what came off to, what came off the top of my head was I can tell the health of a company just by seeing their marketing, their market, the way their marketing is and the way they're perceived um, outside, outside the business. And, um, 
I thought it was really funny because that's kind of what we're talking about now. Like you can, you can find a brand and unfortunately we all do this. You hear the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover, but that's really what branding is, right? Like yeah. you're, you're, you're going in and you're like, Hey, but it's, it, it is kind of true because if a company is willing to put the time and the energy and the marketing expenses necessary that they they spend the money to prove to you how good they are, um, their customer service, their team, they're bringing on valuable team members. If they're if that will show like instantly, or if it's bad. So if you go you go in and you're saying, hey, don't go in and trust somebody right away. I would say, yeah, have one or two more conversations with them. After your initial conversation, you will see quite fast, oh, like, this guy's not really trustworthy. This guy is. Unfortunately, in today's environment, so people, so many people are not awake that they just look at everything as transactional. They're like, give me a quote. I don't want to be in front of a person. I don't want to do that. And it takes them, sometimes some of them don't, but the ones that do understand that, hey, we're all in this together. Like, let's, let's. Let's all let's all go towards the common good of contributing to people the best way we all can. And those are the kinds of people that you want to work with. And so that's where I think that you should start building your trust factor towards is those like-minded people that you can connect with. Yeah, you bring up a great point because skepticism has its place, but you don't want to become a distrusting, paranoid maniac, right? We have to be decisive at some point and okay i have my skepticism at first that's my default mode of operation is being skept skeptical i think it's healthy um but at some point i have to be decisive i can't just go around distrusting everybody all the time you know that's not conducive to communication cooperation success community it's really anything um so while i do recommend having a scrutinizing eye when it comes to investing in in professional relationships or support or anything like that you know there are people out there who are certainly worthy of trust and uh it's up to you to to actually make that decision and be decisive yeah and uh it's uh funny you say that because i was kind of the opposite of that i grew up in a kind of a household a household where i didn't trust anyone you know so I was very decisive, but I was so decisive that I was at a point where I wouldn't trust anyone. And I kind of had to learn through my personal values and my evolution that I was like, hey, I need to allow people to have trust first and be a little bit decisive after that. Let trust be taken away, not let trust be, you know, and that's for me personally. And so back to what you said, it, it can be different for everybody. But definitely being able to understand that that trust factor is kind of an overarching, overarching psychology to any decision that people make. Yeah. And, you know, on the note of psychology, too, they're from a business perspective now. So not from a consumer perspective, when it comes to earning that trust. We, of course, as business people have to take into consideration their current mental state. So I'm, I'm sure maybe you're aware, like when, when you're trying to target people in marketing, one thing we often take into consideration is what is their current level of awareness? So are they not even problem aware? Like, do they not have the awareness that they even have this problem in the first place? 
are they problem aware, but they're not solution aware. So that's a whole separate mode of approach in talking to these types of people. Okay. So are they problem aware and solution aware? So do they know the problem they have and are they currently like looking for other solutions? And so there are all these different stages where somebody could be at. And if you're talking to somebody who is not problem aware or solution aware, they don't even know that they have this problem that you're that you have the solution to. It's going to be a lot harder to gain their trust, uh, possibly, um, if you have to like not only sell them on your solution, but you have to point out that they have this problem in the first place. And so that could take a lot more work. Now, on the other side of things, on the other side of that spectrum, you have somebody who is problem aware, they're solution aware. Maybe they've even been doing some research to figure out uh, like, hey, I have this problem. Who can help me out? Who's there? So now they they have some idea of what this environment is like. Maybe they're a little more open to being trusting. Like, hey, I, you know, we're both you and I are aware of this problem. Let's talk about it. I think in that instance, it can be easier to build trust. Yeah, there was a lot there to unpack because uh, because I one hundred percent agree agree with you on that. I think it's quite interesting. I think it's quite interesting. Um, I think it's quite interesting that uh, that you brought that up, and and how does that really work with the whole? Uh, now, you bring up you bring up a point when it comes to that controversial versus professional. I think going off of your last statement um, and what you were talking about it, with building that trust. A lot of people are, uh, and back to what we said about trust, either you start with it or you have to be a little bit more skeptical. Uh, how do you, people are probably a little bit more fearful on, oh, well, do I come off professional? Do I, do I come off controversial? How do you really strike that balance? How do you really strike that balance and, and being able to still have that edge of, Hey, I'm trying to run something here. I'm trying to bring value or I'm trying to do something, but you still have to be professional about it. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's really tough. And and balance, I think that word should be emphasized in this context because for me in particular, I am balancing as if I'm walking on a tightrope because I do want to be professional, but I also love being controversial. I mean, it's part of my uh, personality that I pour into my business. And, and for an example, uh, this morning uh, on LinkedIn or Facebook, I posted a quote by the philosopher Immanuel Kant, and the quote is, if the truth shall kill them, let them die. Now, that's a very harsh quote, basically saying, like, if you can't even handle the truth, if that's going to kill you, then you basically deserve to die. And a lot of companies out there like that for them, that would be very unprofessional and they would never post something like that. But for me, that like one of my top values is truth. I really mean that. Like I'm not posting that to be controversial. I'm posting it because I mean it. And I also happen to understand that it's controversial. So there's a difference. You know, I don't want to be controversial for the sake of pissing people off or uh, trying to make enemies. I don't want to make enemies. I don't want to upset people. But I also want to say the things that I want to say. And quite frankly, the truth is offensive and I'm here to offend. And what I mean by that is I'm just here to tell the truth. If that offends you, that's a you problem. You need to toughen up. 
And you know what? One of the side effects of me doing that is I'm going to lose some potential customers. There are going to be people who come across like, wow, this guy's saying if the truth shall kill them, let them die. The truth is offensive and I'm here to offend. What a jerk, right? There's going to be some people who do not like me. And I have to be okay with that because I, I'm not going to change who I am. I'm not going to change how my business operates because somebody had their feelings hurt by some truthful thing, that, that some meaningful thing that I said. And that does, and I'm not trying to pat my back, uh, pat myself on the back by saying this, but I do think doing that sort of thing takes some courage. And I say that, again, not for myself, but for others who maybe are apprehensive about putting themselves out there who like, oh man, I don't want to offend anybody or I have these opinions and I'm afraid to put them out there because somebody might not like them. You know, everybody I know, all of my friends, the ones even I like the most, I disagree with them on something, right? Like I disagree with everybody. And that's something that we unfortunately have lost in the world where, you know, nowadays if we get offended or we hear something we don't like, even if it's just somebody who has political differences, we remove them from our feed, we block them, we never talk to them again. It's like, why can't, not to sound so cheesy, but why can't we just all get along and, and talk yeah. to people who we have different opinions with? That's funny enough why half the time I don't write anything on Facebook because it's like, I can see both sides here. And no matter what I say, someone's going to yell at me. <laughs> yeah. So, but back to your point, my best friend, my best friend that I've, I've, I've had since I was 15 years old, you know, that's about 24, 23 years now. Um, me and him have a lot of different, different opinions on things. He will rant. It funny enough has very similar opinions to my mom, which I think is kind of funny, but he, uh, uh, he'll rant about all this stuff, him and his wife, but my wife and his wife talk all the time. I still hang out with him constantly. And I'm like, oh, silly friend. Like, you know, beliefs. Uh, I, 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 I encourage him to live by his beliefs. That's our, his beliefs. And I'm like, I'm willing to hear him, you know? Um, but back to your point, why can't we? we? We should all. And that comes, I think, down to business too. And, and that's part of branding. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is you are a brand, even if you're, uh, if you're a doctor, if you're a uh, uh, far, if you're in a, a pharmaceuticals, no matter what you're doing, you have that ability to have people hear your voice and your tones. And you have smartly been able to yourself dictate, hey, these are my values. This is this is my brand, and and it shows how good you are able to make certain decisions on your brand voice and what you're gonna say because you're like, hey, this is my voice. This is this is what I have to say. And back to your point on that controversial side, I think that uh, you know, some people may not be ready. Some people may not be ready to hear it, but. I always, I always say in my industry and, and what we do with the the branding and the, and the stuff, there are people that aren't awake yet. Like you would probably say they're just not awake yet. But for me, I was like, people don't see value because they don't necessarily understand or perceive the need for that value yet. So how are they going to see value if they don't understand the value yet? And that's why I think compassion is important. And I maybe should have emphasized this with my previous answer a little more because I under like I could definitely come across as a jerk if just saying the things that I'm saying, like if the truth shall kill them, let them die. But I think what makes it less 
of uh, jerky sort of thing to say is that I genuinely come from a place of compassion that I'm not putting it out there to, to be mean. Um, and that, you know, I think good brands should have an element of compassion because, you know, may, maybe not overtly, it doesn't have to necessarily be listed, but I think brands should behave with compassion, right? Because otherwise the, the, I mean, the opposite is discompassion, uh, which is like, I don't care about you. I don't really care what happens to you. I'm in it to get mine. I want to make my money and I don't really value you as a human being. So I'm just here to get that money. Uh, you know, on the flip side of things with a compassionate perspective, which is what we hold at Healthy and Awake is, you know, I do care about people. Like everything that I do is because I care about people. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I put all my time and, and effort and I'm obsessed with this project because I genuinely want to make the world a healthier, more awake place. I mean, you have to have compassion to have that sort of mission. And yeah. so if I was out there saying like, oh, yeah, the. the uh, let them die because the, they're too weak for the truth. Ha ha ha. If I'm out there like laughing at them, I'd be a jerk, right? But I'm I'm trying to actually wake people up. And one of the best things that has ever happened to me as a result of this path that I've taken is by having compassion, I actually do have people who comment on, on my stuff. Maybe they'll say, this is too mean. Hey, I, I disagree with you. You sound like a jerk. And, you know, I think a lot of people might let that get to them. But because I know that I'm coming from a place of compassion and I know that's one of my fundamental values, I can go, whoa, whoa, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I, I appreciate your comments. Um, uh, this is what I meant by it, X, Y, and Z. I hope you can see my side, but if not, that's okay too, right? That, that's like the most compassionate response that I could give. And I'll tell you what, Mike Vera from 10 years ago, was not that compassionate, right? I might be like, get the hell off my page. I don't care about you at all. You know, like I could just be mean. Uh, I don't agree, block. That that would be discompassionate. But the more I did health coaching, the more I practiced compassion, and the more I prioritized it as a value, the easier it becomes to just do the right thing. Um, even when it might come across as harsh to somebody else, I know that I have the best of intentions and further, I know that I can prove to them that I have the best of intentions. How long do you feel like it took you or do you still feel like it's a practice that you have to do every day? Because I, I have an example where I've, 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 you know, pretty honest, pretty, in, you know, my integrity, I, I, I'm in it to help people. You'll randomly get that troll comment that somehow just, you're either having a bad day or you're just like in one of those moods where you're like, you don't, you're not mean to them, but you like try to defend yourself or you try to do something. And, and do you ever feel like those still come up? Um, and how do you handle that stuff? Yeah. You know, just to be honest, I'm not a compassionate person by nature, which, so I have to choose to be compassionate, which, you know, you could make a case that that, that has more meaning. Cause if somebody is just by nature, by default, they're very compassionate. They don't even have to try. So like, you know, big whoop, it, it's effortless for you. Like it actually takes effort for me to be compassionate. It is something that gets easier and more of like my default mode of operation, the more I practice it. Um, but, you know, there's always some piece of me, I think, that has this initial jerk sort of response. And I get it out mostly, <laughs> I, I almost hate to say this, but like my own self-talk is pretty negative. I know there's this idea in the health community, like you want to talk to yourself positively. You don't want to say like, Mike, you idiot. How could you mess this up? 
you're a human being. You want to be compassionate to yourself. You want to say like, Mike, you made a mistake. No big deal. You learn from it. That's like the compassionate approach. So I'm nowadays, I'm compassionate to everybody, but my own self-talk is legitimately like, Mike, you are an idiot. How could you do this? So I still get in that discompassion just to myself because I have to get it out some way. I, I just don't throw it others uh, to others. <laughs> yeah. You kind of pick and choose there. Yeah. 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 There's sometimes there's sometimes I'm the same way. I, I try my best, but if someone's purposely, you know, you know that they're like, they're just being, they're just being an a-hole on purpose because they're, and if you, if you've ever read the, the, the 10, uh, the four agreements, um, you know, they're, it's, you know, one of the agreements is they're put really pushing off their negativity onto you. And so it's that concept of, Hey, they're just going, th- I have to sit down like, you know, they're just going through their life stuff right now. They're not meant to be hurtful for you. They just, for some reason, feel like this is going to make them feel better. Um, and you have to kind of just move on. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, one of the best feelings in the world is to kill them with kindness. Like if you have some kind of troll, cause I believe me, I, I used to love, just feeding the trolls and really engaging in that back and forth. Like, Oh, I got the best line here. I'm really going to win. And I'm typing one in the computer. You know, it, it's so satisfying for me lately to, to engage with those trolls and just be like, Hey, you know, just be 110% compassionate. It's become fun. Like, Hey, it sounds like you, you're maybe going through something. I, I hear frustration here. So uh, I'm sorry you didn't perceive the way the, my post, the way that I meant it to be perceived, but I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope things get better, you know, and really not passive aggressive, not being flip or sarcastic. None of that genuinely like, look, you don't sound very happy. I, I hope that fixes for you. Um, and cause I have had a few people respond, many people actually, Hey, you know what, Mike, I realized I was being a jerk and I'm sorry. And then those people become like my best followers. They listen to every single podcast because again, I'm I'm genuinely being compassionate. It's something I I don't know. It, it does take work. It does take practice constantly. But I, you know, the more I think about it, maybe some kind of switch has flipped in me just from practicing it so much. And it really, at this point, it becomes a game of instead of feeding the troll as much as I can for my own amusement. It's like let me see if I can convert this troll. And uh, compassion, I think, is the answer to that. It is. It is a nice way to do it. I've actually seen it vice versa too. Like when I'm like, I've happened to catch myself if I do something that I'm like, why am I writing this? Like, and I turn around and be like, you know what? I apologize. Like I had a bad day. (laughs) That had nothing to do with you. I'm calling my own fault here. Like, I don't know why I did this. This is not part of my values. Uh, And sometimes you have to. And with, with that whole concept, we're talking a lot about social media here. how do you feel uh, different platforms um, have really interpreted this this sense of brand presence? And and what is your take on the the different platforms? And I'm not ask, asking you like, what should people use? Because we all, I think that you would agree with me that it varies, <laughs> you know? But yeah. uh, uh, what do you feel like the, the, the role of social media isn't just playing right now, but where you feel like hopefully with the impact that you're not just making, but the impact of, of making this positive difference, the role of social media, where it could go if done correctly. Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, the, the landscape out there right now, social media is pretty weird because there are 
you know, bunch of social media sites, obviously some of them more popular than others. Uh, but what I spend a lot of time thinking about is unfortunately censorship that goes on and suppression and shadow banning. You know, one of the things that happens with a lot of my messaging is, you know, when I talk about propaganda and, and I can often be specific about institutions and some of the things that I don't agree with and what they're saying, when you do that, that sort of thing, it does tend to step on toes. So I've experienced some censorship and, and suppression. So I would hope that one day we get to a point where people can actually speak freely. And I know that, you know, censorship, all oh, conspiracy theory, that's something that's easy to dismiss. But they're actually, you know, you look at some of the, uh, there have been, I don't know if you call them leaks exactly, but published documents uh, called the Twitter files, as well as the Facebook files, where it's been actually documented and, and publicly broadcasted that... There has been collusion between the government and the social media entities so that, you know, of course, we have First Amendment. The government has no say, no business in restricting speech. It's illegal. It's, it's against the Constitution. And so their way of circumventing that is by uh, as building relationships with these companies so that they that the companies like Facebook and Twitter censor on behalf of the government because they're private companies. They can do whatever they want. And so it's very hard to be an authentic brand if I can't even speak freely, if I can't say the things that I want to say without fear of retribution or burying, shadow banning. You know, I, I have like on LinkedIn, I have a few thousand followers. And if I say something that is too controversial, the, they'll show the post to 40 people. So that you know, that might give people a skewed perception of my brand. If I'm trying to put all my messaging out there and say, hey, this is what I stand for. This is what I think. This is what I believe. Look at all this information. And to the people that follow me, the people that click on my profile and say follow, I want to know what this guy is saying. They might not get all that information. And, and this is true, not just for controversial health things, but this is true for all kinds of things that happen on social media that's run by these mysterious algorithms that maybe you, maybe you're promoting your branding business. And for some reason, LinkedIn's algorithm, you know, they have their own branding partners that they prefer. And so that'll be prioritized in the feed. That's not fair. It's really not fair. And, and, I hope something becomes of that one day. Of course, you know, we have platforms now where people are flocking to Rumble being a video platform where people can speak more freely and and things like Twitter, I guess, uh, is trying to change its ways, it seems, with Elon Musk. So it's complex. I don't know. Um, I think that we need to be careful about how we say what we say and, um, you know, just pay attention to that sort of thing so that people really understand what we're really trying to say. Yeah, I always come back to whenever I have any of uh, my prospects or clients be like, hey, what do I really write on on, on Twitter? I mean, we've worked with a, a, quite a few uh, retired athletes. And so they're right at that point where they're like, oh, well, we'll get trolls. We'll get this. We'll get. And I'm always just like, hey, listen, like if you're going to write something and you don't feel like your mom would want to read it then don't post it, you know, stick away from racial stick, stick away from stuff that's just hurtful or just doesn't make sense. And, you know, I would love to see these platforms. I, I agree with you. I think censorship 
in the regards of freedom of speech is bad. I, I don't think that we should have that. And I know, I know what files you're talking about. Cause I walked, looked through those myself when I was like, Oh yeah, here we go. Like, and I, I, I'm more like that. I'm like a, 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 a Neil, what is his name? Neil Negras Tyson. You know, I'm more of a, Hey, like I get it, but I need some proof, you know, like yeah. if you give me proof, then, then, you know, I'll be on board with it. Uh, but I feel like if they just did something similar to, because I do feel like there is some censorship opportunities that would make sense, but I think it's very similar to like gaming or movies. Like I'm not going to have my four-year-old son go to, you know, a Freddy Krueger movie, you know, that's why it's rated R, you know? So if they had some sort of stipulations to more uh, demo out by age, just because certain, certain topics should not be talked to around children yet, or certain people of certain ages, then, then that would make sense. But I feel like it would, should be much more of a, like a setting. You know, like, Hey, is, I think YouTube somewhat does this now where they're like, but I feel like YouTube just does it for the monetization purposes. Like, oh, is this for the kids or is it for the adults? You know, like just do something in 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 a, in a sense that could allow different ages to view what's appropriate for their age. And I think that that's uh, something that could help. But I would agree with you that back to the propaganda standpoint. If we were to put something in like that, I feel like it would just get taken advantage of, and something worse would come out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a delicate process because you're right. There are some things like if I was putting like egregious, violent material out there or, you know, naked people like, yeah, that should maybe I don't know if censored is the right word, but there should be some kind of protocol in place for materials that might be particularly shocking to view or or read. Um, but I certainly don't want some tech company policing what I'm allowed to say or what I'm allowed to see, right? Because I'm not just getting censored, but maybe some of the stuff that I want to read from other people is getting censored. And not only does that contribute to weakness, because it's like, oh, you're going to police my world and you're going to tell me this is too tough for me, right? So let's say they they succeed and they eliminate everything that's offensive in the slightest and they nerf the world. Well, do you think a a soft, cushy, nerfed world is going to contribute to anything productive or any kind of strength at all? Because now anytime in this nerfed world, anytime somebody comes across anything, even 1% offensive, it's like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this before. So it does weaken the mind and, and it actually prevents critical thinking. I mean, there's a reason the First Amendment is there in the first place, uh, a lot of reasons, but one of them is so that we have the ability to maintain sovereignty over our thought process. Like, who are you to tell me that I can't put out this information? Who are you to tell me I can't read this information? It's ridiculous. And so, you know, it's one of the challenges that I think many of us face. And it's not just health. It's not just politics. It really is... um, reaching into a lot of different areas in life now, unfortunately, like you said, partially because of advertising. And the irony of this all is, you know, as we're recording this, currently there are all kinds of videos on Facebook and and Instagram and you name it of horrible videos coming out of Israel and, and really actually violent stuff. But meanwhile, if I criticize the World Health Organization, I'm the one taken down. So what a yeah. crazy world we live in. Yeah. 
Yeah. I actually, and I won't get too much into this because I don't want to get this taken down either, but, uh, right, right. Uh, you know, but when we were at my expo, I actually had someone from Ukraine come up to me and, uh, he started talking to me on the side and it was quite interesting because I won't get too much into it, but he, he did. He talked a lot about, he was actually the opposite of what most people are hearing online. Cause he's like, dude, I live there, man. Like I, I, I saw it all. And so like, I know, I know like how that government, both those governments are run and, you know, everything I watch on TV is like, it's just a joke. <laughs> he's yeah. like, it makes no sense. Um, but yeah, we could probably talk about this all day. I don't want to, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I think we, we nailed quite a bit on, you know, this propaganda stuff. Where can people find you if they want to listen to your podcast or any further, uh, information that you may want to provide them? Yeah. My main website is redpillhealthandwellness.com, which I know is a lot to type. So if you go to mikevira.com, that takes you, it, it redirects you to a section of my website with all my social media, with my podcast and all that. Uh, if I may, I actually have a new program uh, that I can plug as well, if that's okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so one of the things that I help people with the most is standard operating procedures. It's basically a way to any of the goals, habits, business, personal stuff that you build for yourself. It's basically a way to make it permanent and maintain that consistency. It's called creating time wealth. And the whole concept is that time can be managed the same way that people manage money. I mean, you bet people sit down, they spend a lot of time and effort to manage money and make sure that they get the most of it. Well, those same techniques and approaches can be applied to managing your time so that you can actually have wealth when it comes to time. And right now that program is on pre-sale. So the full price is $99, uh, but right now it's 24. So uh, it, it's for pre-sale. It goes for full launch in December. I really think it's uh, it's going to improve a lot of lives. I, I really believe it's going to change the world. I'll say it. Um, so I'm excited to have that out there, creating time wealth. Beautiful. I'm, uh, I am I think it's very intriguing. We have a, a course that we've been in, in development for quite some time now of just really a time management course in itself. And so I agree with you. Time is time is wealth. I think that's a good title you have there. And so I'm excited to hear more about it. Um, just send me a link over. I'll put it into the description with, uh, with your website as well. So that people can get that discount if they get it before December. Um, but again, Mike, uh, I, I really do appreciate you being on. Um, we should keep this a recurring thing. I think that we should have, uh, some additional podcasts in the future. I feel like we have a lot in common here as we continue to continue to push stuff. So again, I appreciate for you, you coming on and I thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the brand power podcast. And I hope to uh, see you all and hear you all soon.